welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast, season 12, episode 10. Good to be back with you. We've got a full house with us. We've got back with us, Camille. You've been out for a couple of weeks. Good to see you again, Camille. I've been sick for forever. <laughs> Good to have you recovered from that. And Allie, welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yep, and we've got a new face with us, Bill French. Welcome. Good to be here. And we've I've, had, I've been we've had Bill on the show a few times, at least once. Yeah. I think so, yes. I think, yep. I think, I think this is the first did. time in this format. Is that correct? Uh, that That is correct, yes. Yep, cool. So we did kind of a one-on-one -on -one interview. Who who did that, Camille or Allie? Okay. Allie. Okay. All right, so if you want... A full in-depth hour-long conversation with Bill. Check that episode out from an earlier season. But we will learn more about Bill. We'll still dive into your uh, history and background. We'll do a spotlight on that. So uh, with that, I will walk through what we're going to be talking about today. Should be fun um, to learn more about Bill and what's, what's going on with him. And so we always start off our show um, talking about round the bases, what's going on in the Airtable communities, keep you up to date on everything Airtable news related. Then we'll do a spotlight on our primary sponsor, Onto Air. Then we'll learn more about Bill and, and his background as an expert in this Airtable community. And then we're just going to kind of open it up and have kind of a dialogue Bill's got lots of topics he loves to talk about, so we're going to talk about a few things there, get kind of a state of the union on Airtable and, and, and the world of no-code, low-code, and, and computing in general. We'll see what we can learn from that. And time permitting, we might, uh, we'll also highlight our community, how you can join, and then time permitting, we might do another segment. We'll see, we'll see how it goes, so we'll kind of keep it open-ended. So with that, with round the bases, um, a few things going on in the Airtable world. Last week, we talked about, um, we're not going to dive too deep into this because we're going to bring on maybe a special guest later in the show, but I did want to highlight last Tuesday after our show, they did go live with changes to attachments. And so um, 
And so we started to see some, some issues pop up from the community. This is one, I know there was at least one other, probably a few more of people noticing it, even though it had been um, somewhat announced throughout the previous months. Um, but uh, so changes to attachments now, they expire if you're using, uh, well, it's really hard to clarify this. I'm going to wait to, we might have Kavan come on, who's done a lot of research on this. I know Kavan and Bill have talked about it, but anything precursor anybody wants to say before we do a deep dive into attachments? Well, it is, um, it isn't a, a topic that, um, you can't really explain in either one sentence or even one paragraph, you know, because it's so broad, it covers things that are going on inside of Airtable as well as outside of Airtable. But the bottom line is, I think Airtable just got tired of being the CDN for every image on the planet. And my rough estimates uh, came up with 2.5 billion images. I mean, that's assuming 300,000 really active customers with you know, X number of uh, records and images. So that CDN was big and it still is big and trying to uh, get everybody off of that. It was almost like a crack cocaine thing, right? <laughs> People got a little taste of, oh man, I could just host everything here, all my images, all my attachments. And then they said, oh, come on, I, we can't afford that. Not for 25 bucks a month. Yeah. So it, it's a mess. Yeah, um, I've I've mentioned on the show before. I'm one of the four people who insist on having a, a static generated website and not use any sort of traditional CMS. So the problem originally with both of my websites was I had everything in Airtable effectively as my uh, CMS, and then I would export everything as JSON and publish everything to my website. Well, that meant. I was using the Airtable attachment links. And when I first heard of this change many months ago, I was like, well, okay, well, I'll have to adjust my setup. And without going too far into it, my revised methodology was to just use Google Drive and uh, import that Google Drive folder into Airtable still. And it now it gets ex those links get exported in my JSON. And I'm doing virtually the same thing, but not pointing at an Airtable attachment field anymore. Um, which is good because you could get more storage cheaper in Google Drive than you can in Airtable. Um, but, you know, there's there's pros and cons, and we'll dive into this later. Yeah, yeah so precursor, so a teaser, uh, hang on to the show, and we're going we're gonna to talk more about this. Lots to talk about there. So, but definitely a change last week. Um, and let's move on. So there was another announcement of a, of a future breaking change. I bet Bill might be one of the few people this actually impacts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of my customers from long ago in, in the UK saw this and immediately phoned me up and said, are we impacted by this? And I got to thinking about it and no, um we're not passing anything through urls by and large our urls are really tiny but i can see how people would get stuck uh or get captured you know swept up into this um you know we we often like to use uh gets 
uh, because they're convenient, right? URL parameters are convenient. Mm -hmm. And so we think, oh, we're going to deal with the API right through the URL. And then before you know it, there's 75 fields going across the wire and they're all in the URL. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's just you being painted into a corner. Um, the, the fact that they had to change this, uh, I'm still wondering why. Why did they have to change this? Anybody know? I This is the first I'm hearing of it. I did not see this announcement at all. Yeah, so this only impacts if you're using the REST API and probably only impacts queries, the filtering. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the only thing that could maybe be. So they're basically putting a cap at 16,000 character limits in the URL length. That yeah. seems, that, that sounds that. reasonable to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, 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 not only is it reasonable, but you probably shouldn't be doing it that way anyway. <laughs> right. And I, I think I read it, I read this really briefly. It, the person is saying most, the vast majority of people don't even get anywhere close to 60,000. And I would hope, because how do you manage that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the fact that they called this a breaking change means that their analytics probably spotted people doing exactly this. Yeah. Otherwise they would have just changed it and been quiet about it. Yeah. So that, that's my hunch. Uh, let, let the other people down the road find this problem when, when and if it occurs. Uh, but yeah, the minute you start jamming queries into URLs, you're also opening up, I think, a security problem as well. Uh, which, yeah. which I think I had a long debate with somebody about that, you know, where they they said, oh, you know, Airtable has really made a mess of this because they allow, you know, filter by inside of queries. And the minute you do that, you can do injection and all People sorts injection. of stuff. And I remember that. Thread, he, yeah. yeah, what he was describing was something you could do with any um, software application on the web. Right. It's, this is not an Airtable thing. This is just like a bad idea. Don't make it possible for people to inject stuff to get data back that they shouldn't see. Yeah. So, yeah, use post. Don't use yep. that. <clears throat> yeah. So they so they've now implemented. So the workaround is they've implemented a post. This didn't exist before. So this is new. Um, and so now you can do a post to do your query. And then if you've got a really long one, and if you're using the Node.js or the JavaScript library, they've implemented in the latest uh, version, it automatically uses post or detect it, detects if it's too long, then it switches to yeah. a post. Um, That's a smart change. Yeah. So, so that is uh, a change that probably doesn't impact many people. <clears throat> Okay. All right, moving on. Um, so this, we've I've actually started to see this creep up, um, this issue. People are saying that you can no longer embed a form inside the, the extension. There's an extension to embed like iframes. Um, and then there's a similar one. I'll kind of combine these. It, within Notion, they're saying that you used to be able to embed, use the embed code that uh, for a view inside of Notion and that stopped working at some point. So something's changed on Airtable. This one with Notion, it looks like something changed on Notion side um, that uh, that made it not work within Notion. But it seems like Airtable is changing their, their uh, embeddability and people are starting to notice it. 
Interesting. Well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I I just went and checked my a site that I have that has a lot of embedded views and they all seem to be fine. Um, but I mean, there's one I noticed um, a very long time ago when I'd try and use the embed block within Stacker. Um, it didn't work if you just did like the share link, but there's if you actually add slash embed into the URL, like it has in the actual like iframe code, yeah. then that did work. So yeah. I don't know if maybe that would be something to try to try and fix this. Yeah, with the with the notion. Yeah, that's what they actually said with the notion they figured out um, if you just use actually with notion, it's the opposite. Yeah. If you use the one without the embed, right then it works, but the one with the embed apparently did not. That's, so, that's odd. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, yeah, I have I have a client who um, wanted to have some form built for them for input that needed to be embedded on their website, but also you could put the link to the form in the body of an email that they send. And we went with Airtable and built to your uh, something that you mentioned quite frequently is, you know, glue factories like uh, Zapier and Integramat now called Make, the artist formerly known as Integramat, uh, you know, where you're connecting two different apps together. The weak point is the connection in the middle. So we tried to keep the form in Airtable and it works. But if you can no longer reliably embed Airtable forms, that's an issue. <laughs> um, so I hope it, I hope all of, these similar sort of issues people are having are resolved by just including the slash embed at the end and not some underlying issue. But I do see Kavan has said hi in the chat. Yeah, I just pinged her. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, the artist formerly known as Integramat, that's a really good line. I don't know if I came up with it. I think I think Scott, I think Scott. Uh, Scott Rose, friend of the show, yeah. uh, has said it before. Because he's, uh, the, he's the, the expert. What's ironic about that is um, that if you look closely at some of the Integramat um, systems that people have created, you'd swear that whoever created them was abusing um, opiates uh, just like Prince was. So there, there's a connective tissue there somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just yeah. there's, there's, there's something, I like what you can do in Make, but there's something about once you start adding in all the error handlers to make sure it's, you know, it's not going to throw everything into the fire if it encounters an issue, the visual editor aspect starts to, I think, become its downfall. Because um, if you have, it's it's not even a spider web. It's a, it's like a shotgun blast <laughs> pointing to the right, and it just gets more and more difficult for at least for me. For I think it's a sawed off. Shotgun blast. Yes, it's, you have to have an air handler on every single. There's no choke. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> the BBs are going everywhere. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I, well, I definitely am biased, um, as you, as most everybody knows. And if you're listening or you're the listener, um, I uh, I I get really upset when people abuse uh, things like Zapier and and make. So. Yeah. Very true. That, that's another whole topic. We could do a whole show on that. That's right. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to do quick, two quick uh, kind of plugs off of Twitter, and then we've got Kavan here that's going to join us here in a second. Um, 
So I was I was going through Twitter and um, Andy Cloak, friend of the show, he's been on. He's the founder of Data Fetcher, and he made an announcement that he's starting to work on a second extension for um, for charts and things inside of Airtable and oh. reports. So that will be interesting. So if uh, you like Data Fetcher and the work he's done there, and um, it looks like he's looking for people to get insights for as he starts to plan that out so that will be interesting to see what he comes up with there uh, hopefully he's he's implementing that um using some kind of open source backend like chart.js or something yeah yeah Uh, i I trust he is but um that would be very cool to pull Mm -hmm. that off because wow we are um chart challenged as airtable users yeah Yeah. it's it's one of the most commonly the with interface designer, they're sort of pushing away from the need for some of the extensions that are present. Um, and slowly but surely, they're adding functionality that eliminates some of the utility extensions. Right. But charting is not one of those, or reporting in general is the concept right. of recording. Of reporting is not yet tackled well, I would say, in either of those two paths. What, you know, one of my first posts when I discovered Airtable was to tell the developers to stop doing charting right i mean that it's just silliness yeah every vendor tries this they try to build every possible chart feature and facility into their platform and it's nutty it's completely nutty thinking what they should do is make it possible for anyone to build any charting feature into the product that they should spend all their money on ways to interface with all the charting horizons that are out there. Everything from, you know, D3 to chart.js to, you know, quickchart.io, all those things should be at our fingertips. So no one should, um, you know, actually write a stitch of code at Airtable to do that. That's my opinion. Thank you, Dan. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and you know, obviously I haven't played with it yet, but you can add your own colors to certain That's categories, amazing. which I have not seen a web app, whether it's Airtable or Glide or anything else that lets you do that. <laughs> Get the specificity of this category should be yellow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, it and looks like Chart.js, actually. That's great. <laughs> uh, and even as good as he gets at this, there will be people going, yeah, but doesn't it do this? Or yeah. I can't do yeah. that. Uh, before you know it, you know, he's in the same, you know, corner with a can of paint. And yeah. it's going to be hard to uh, to keep up with that. So yep. it, it's a tough, that is a tough place to make money. That's I why I, ne- I, I never touched charts. When I released Master Calendar, <laughs> one of the first requests was, can you do something similar but it pulls multiple tables into a single chart. Um, and I said, no, Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, very true. Yeah. All right, one more them. quick announcement and then we'll get, we'll get Kavan on. Um, so Airtable actually put out a tweet um, for those, obviously lots of, lots of companies going through layoffs right now. Um, so they're keeping, it looks like this is managed by Airtable based office. So they have a base going of companies that maybe are hiring and kind of, what's out there. Most of these are, are tech companies. Um, 
you know, kind of similar to, to Airtable. But uh, if you're in the hunt looking for, for work in that space, Airtable's got a base and they've got links to uh, open positions and things like that. So what's, to what's going to happen uh, next year when the recession really seeps in? Are yeah. they going to expand the table limit? Yeah. I, yeah. We'll see if they go. They? 119 right now. Only a hundred. So yeah, there's no stop landing coming in 23, 24. So they need to probably get this up to a hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Just say it. All right. Let's continue our first discussion. We got Kavan coming on here and I'm going to go to you. Hello. That's way too good. Kavan. Dan so, said that Bill was going to be able to invited me to argue with you. <laughs> oh, we're, we're buddies. We are buddies. We We've we seen debate them go back and forth. There's even some private chats that that some of us are are privy to of of Bill and and Kavan going at it. And so I thought it'd be fun to bring them both on and kind of continue that discussion in 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 public. And, um, but I know Kavan, you've done a ton of work on attachments and kind of like analyzing the changes. Could you give us kind of a high level overview of what your perspective of the changes are? Uh, I mean, so I've been really curious about what's been happening and what was going to be happening with it. So first off is all of my production workspaces, I opted out. I said, this is too new. I don't want a working workspace, a working base to be affected by any of these changes. But I kept one workspace where I did not opt out just for test purposes so I could see what's going on. And um, I set up an automation, a scripting automation to say basically, okay, I've got these two little placeholder um, attachments and go grab that URL, see what it is. Here's the timestamp. And just to see how often do I get new URLs and when do those URLs expire? And at first I was like, well, let's do this every 15 minutes. And then I'm like, Okay, this is not really doing a whole lot. When I first started up, we were still getting the original dl.airtable.com attachments. But then halfway through that day of, of the 8th, uh, I started getting the new attachment field format, which has got the Airtable user, conference, user content um, URL and does not have the file name at the end. Uh, but those weren't expiring. And one thing that I was finding was that none of the URLs for attachments that I got from the automation script have actually expired yet, as far as I can tell. So then I also started experimenting with some other ways of getting URLs. So I did a CSV export and I don't have the exact time when those expired, but they did expire um, fairly shortly within like probably within that day, uh, the exact time, I'm not sure because when I've been testing, I've been testing it manually clicking on them. Um, and then there's all kinds of weird things that you have to do regarding cache, because if you have it in the cache on your local computer, it'll just show it up to you. Or if you have issues of like, you know, which server all the way is it going back, it still might be cached on some server. Um, or so, a router. Or a router or, or somewhere around those. Um, did that. Uh, also tried getting some URLs through scripting extension as a different way of getting it. And what's interesting about that is that I just looked at it just now, and those actually have expired, the ones that got through scripting extension, which is kind of strange. 
So scripting extension and scripting automations apparently work differently. Um, the other thing that I tried was I was working on a custom app. And if you work on the custom apps or custom extensions, they have new methods where you can go and it says, according to the documentation, you can get a URL for an attachment field that's only supposed to work in the context of that current logged in user. And I think the reason for that is the idea is it would not expire after two hours. So if say you're using that URL for that image and the person might be using that extension for more than two hours, you want to make sure that that image doesn't just suddenly disappear on them. But as far as I can tell, that URL is the same format as what the scripting is giving, which is the Airtable user content, no file at name at the end. And also when I copy and paste that URL into a totally different place, I think it's a public URL. But I'm not completely sure because of the different ways I'm going about and getting it and all the different transformations that are. And when you say public URL, you mean a public URL that will expire. Well, I don't know if it will expire or not, but what it is, I, I copied and pasted it, it from one browser to a totally different other browser, cleared cache, and it still appeared. And I made sure that I was not logged into Airtable as the same user in the other browser. I see. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the challenges here is um, is thinking about um, images that are flowing through the CDN or the CDN as we formerly know it. Uh, and then the other is, what are the challenges of testing something within the context of a, of a user? So I, I call that a security context. So in any security context, uh, Airtable knows who you are. You're a named user. And so if you use a formula field to reference a URL, there's a good chance you're going to get a URL and it will never expire. And if for some chance that it does expire, it'll refresh. Much like, you know, one plus one equals two will refresh in any formula. So I have a sense though that Airtable said, no, we're not gonna recompute formulas for expiring things internally for users who we know. We're simply gonna give them the internal URL, period, end of, end of story. And that was really the basis for me, I think back in April when we first heard about this, I said, this is nutty thinking because Airtable said specifically, this formula reference to any URL attachment will expire within two hours. And then after that, and I kept asking, and then, <laughs> and then nothing, right? Nothing. That formula field is going to be dead and broken for all eternity. Now, I know better than most people that eternity is a long time, partly because I've lived almost an eternity, <laughs> it seems, some days. But at the end of the day, a formula field cannot be eternally broken inside the platform. They would take so much flack for that. And so in April, I predicted that ain't going to happen, right? They're not going to expire internal URLs in a formula field, and it's going to continue to work just as it always has. And it seems like that is exactly what's happened. I think what happened is they started thinking that through, and they realized, uh, yeah, that's nutty thinking. And that's the end of it. Now, testing, uh, what, come on, you're going through, I mean, that, you're fighting a really good fight trying to figure out what the heck's going on out there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know whether it's, you know, a noble quest or whatever, but yeah, we want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with 
at least a couple billion attachments um, in CDN uh, store or CDN servers scattered around the globe. And that CDN is going to take some time to flush. And I think the artifacts that you're seeing right now are probably related to the CDN simply not catching up. Whereas internally, we're seeing what Airtable intends the app to do. And I believe that was an overnight change on the 8th. I think on the 8th, they turned the switch, they deployed. And from then on, the internal behaviors of attachment links took effect. Uh, how it affects the outside of Airtable, I think that's still a big question mark. Yeah. Well, one of my big things is part of the whole issue is trying to provide security so that people can't get to attachments yeah. if they no longer should have access. If they leave a non-expiring public URL anywhere, that's a security hole. And what do you do to plug that security hole? Well, you so make if you have non, right now, you have I'm seeing non-expiring. Well, what uh, what have been non-expiring public URLs, which is what they used to be, for my attachments. Mm -hmm. And these are attachments. What do you do with that security? Hill? Right, and these are attachments. Presumably, you created after the eighth, correct? Um. One I created before the 8th, one I created on the 8th, and I don't know if I've created one. Yeah, I see that? create one right now. That's the important test. Parameter. But I created it after I saw the change. Mm -hmm. um, right, because presumably anything created perhaps on the 8th and prior to the 8th got swept up into the CDN, as, as they always have. And then if you wanted one of those attachments to go away, you had to actually ask support, I think. Uh, do, do you guys remember that? You, yeah, you it used to be that you would have to ask support and then they would go in and then they would purge it from yeah. 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 Even right. your and history leading, and all of that. If you and I remember the whole the field, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't get rid of it in yeah, cyberspace. So if you still had the link, you could still get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cor correct. It, it's really a kind of a fuzzy thing. And one client of mine, or not really a client, it's somebody I'm very familiar with, went so far as to issue, you know, a takedown order under DCMA. Hmm. And they said, look, take that down, right? We don't want that there. And they gave him like 10,000 image links. <laughs> I'm sure that the guys at Airtable are going, oh my gosh, we got to fix this. This is like a year ago. Um, so anyway, I think the, the CDN side will be solved, but right now, we're on that fuzzy edge of, well, when was the actual CDN picking that content up? Because it was before the 8th, it's probably a URL that the CDN is going to keep until the CDN is flushed. How it's being flushed, I have no clue. Yeah, I do have all of my, all of my formula fields that extract the URL are still working. And, right. I, and the links are still active as of right. two seconds ago. I've yeah. tested 10,000 of them yeah. in an automated <laughs> fashion. And they all work. There's not a thing. I haven't found a single piece of evidence, either on the community or on my own data, that says, "Hey, this this formula field is going to fail to uh, produce uh, an image or an attachment of some sort." Yeah, I mean, but it's still here. So I just went in and I just while we were talking, created a new attachment, got the the URL from the formula field, and it works. It's public. Uh, public in a, describe the test 
scenario. You, you went to a like incognito browser or something, a totally different yeah. browser. Yeah. Here, let, let, let's do what we did with the other one, which is let's go. Let me. Sure. Here's the URL. Yeah, let's all put it in front of you. Yeah. It's got the, yeah, that's, that's the internal <laughs> URL. Hey, look, it's us. We look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> So you know this was not one taken older. This was something I just took during this and yeah. it's there. So whatever logic that they have, I think they're just not done with the rollout. Mm -hmm. I need to issue a takedown notice on this because I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm also in witness protection. So this has to come down. Why are one you thing, here? <laughs> this seems one odd. Thing, one thing that that I thought was strange that somebody brought up on the forums that they didn't do a good job of, they definitely announced that this change was coming, but they didn't give us specifics that there would no longer be a file extension on the URL. Like mm -hmm. that's pretty important. I think a lot of people were, you know, doing a regex or something to extract that. Mm -hmm. So they didn't tell us that the domain name would be changing. Right. I think right. they could have given more. Yeah. Well, yeah. to say that the file name would not be in the URL. It was just, you had to read the fine print. They basically said that there will be nothing meaningful at all in the URL itself, including there would be no file name. Right. But to Dan's point, they did leave a lot of these little edge case details, details out. I mean, this reminds me of like trying to figure out what's in spam. Uh, not the email uh, class, the actual food. If you read the can of spam, it'll say, and other ingredients. This falls into the other ingredients uh, in arena. And in fact, nobody on the planet knows exactly what's in spam, perhaps. Um, and, and of course, uh, the, this is very similar to regex. Nobody really knows, Not no single person knows how does regex actually work in every case. That's a mystery. Uh, Airtable is kind of the same way because if you look at the dimensions of this problem, I'll bet you could line up every single engineer at Airtable and not a single one of them would understand the impact of these changes. It's that big. Yeah. yeah. I've been getting a lot of really odd emails just from a couple of clients here and there saying like, that they can't open a PDF that was emailed to them or somebody emailed me the other day about a form. They were trying to upload a PDF and through an Airtable form, but then when they try to click on it just to like verify that they loaded the right PDF, it was giving them a warning or a broken link. I haven't been able to verify any of these, but I have been getting a lot That's of- That's interesting. It, so that things. would be that quick, you know, like within a couple of minutes you upload and then you still can't see it. I haven't, yeah, I haven't checked it myself, but I have been getting a lot of really weird PDF related emails recently. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming I, they all are all, all related. I mean, we do have to cut Airtable a little bit of slack. I mean, they've only had four years to figure this out. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, NASA takes six years to figure some stuff out, right? Um, but at the end of the day, this was a big, big challenge. So, I give them a little bit of wiggle room on this, trying to document this. It had to have been a nightmare. You saw what we went through. I mean, just even two people, Kavan and me, just talking on, on the community. There's like 15 different unanswered questions. Yeah. And every time they tried to answer a question, you'd get five more questions that they couldn't answer. <laughs> uh -huh. And so this it just started to become like this shotgun blast. Yeah. So. Well, I think yeah. part of it is a lot of people don't understand all of the different ways 
of getting URLs and all the like. Like for example, I thought, hey, it's scripting. It's probably going to work all the same. What, however, you don't. But well, actually, yeah, no. It cool. seems to be different if it's a scripting extension versus a scripting um, automation. App. Automation. Yeah. Automa yeah. Automation. The scripting app. There's the REST API. Um, there's automations in general because you can get to mm -hmm. the attachment field and display as file name or display as link. Mm -hmm. And there's like there's yeah. many, CSV many ways. Exports. Yeah. Then there's CSV export. Right. Then there's actually, in addition to the main URL for the attachment, anytime that you can go through either any either form of scripting or rest API, there's all the thumbnails mm -hmm. that you can have. And those are also starting to look like the new format. Um, and then, like I said, in custom extensions, there's getting the regular URL and then getting the attachment URL. And then there's this, the uh, viewer URLs that you can get by pressing like control C or command C when you have the cell value in there. Yeah. But I, I think, mm, well, and then there's also the URLs that you can get when you go into the browser console when you're actually in Airtable, and you're trying to see what URL is being used there. Yeah, and, and other no-code platforms suffer from the same issue, and some of them will get boxed in just like Airtable did. Um, and I remember in 2018 asking Airtable about it. I said, hey, you know, these are public URLs. Yeah, but they're discrete. You can't really figure out what they are. There's no way to compute that content value, but yet it's still out there in the wild. Right. So it, it prevents many use cases that would require things like HIPAA compliance. And there's other things that would also right. prevent HIPAA compliance, but this is a major one. And I think European standards for data security is another. Well, I think that this, yeah, I think, uh, Camille, you're spot on. A lot of people ask, well, why isn't Airtable becoming HIPAA compliant? This is it's the hard. reason. <laughs> right? It's very it's hard. hard. <laughs> It's really hard to do, and this is one reason, you know, and there, there are others in Airtable as well. You know, it's not sufficient to say, well, my data is encrypted, so therefore I'm HIPAA compliant. That's not really the answer. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, this exposure of attachments is also not HIPAA compliant. In fact, I do not believe that a two-hour signed URL that expires is HIPAA compliant either. I don't think that, hmm. that completely rules it out. And yeah. I think it's the same for GDPR. They open an office in England. Everybody thinks, oh, they're going to be GDPR compliant. No, think again. There's so many kind of loopholes in Airtable that you cannot um, sustain GDPR compliant. I'm going to throw out something. Mm -hmm. I want to hear everyone's opinion. Would you guys support there being a toggle if you add an attachment field that said allow links to be public at all? Don't worry about expiring links. It's just... If they don't have that checkbox checked, you have to be logged into Airtable to open the link, with, no matter how you got it. And you know, if you have access to the base, then you can see the link. Yeah, basically, you're saying everything expires immediately. Yeah. Or, well. Right. Well. Everything me, except. It, it sounds like you, me, it, you let people separate. have an opt out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's like a. I, I'm trying to separate the access yeah. issue you know, whether or not a link should be public, even if it expires, you can have a public link that's indefinite or that expires in two hours, but giving the users the option to say, should it be public at all? 
and then just say you must log, you, you're greeted with an Airtable login screen if you try to go to that link and you're not logged in. I would heart that two times. Okay. So I, that's, I, that's the way old people say emojis. Sure. I, I think one of the issues that we're running into is that it's a complicated thing. How much more complicated do we want it to be? And Airtable has said that they don't want to be your CDN. One thing I think they do is they do need to maintain some option of public URLs so that these URLs can be used in glue factories yeah, or used in scripting or, or whatever. But the problem is then you're adding this extra you know, layer of, well, yeah, I don't want this to be public, but I forgot about my other glue factory where I think it's only internal because all I'll do is sending this thing out to a glue factory and then back to me. Mm -hmm. It's using my API. Actually, you do need to be public. So how do you balance out how complicated the system is with how secure the system is? And Airtable said that they don't want to be a CDN, that they're not in the business of being a CDN. So I don't see that they have a business case to make it public like that. I would agree. I think you're, you're right that I agree. Their table is, is indicated and probably rightfully so that they sh they shouldn't be your solution to storing files. It's not a file storage system. It, it's to store data, which may or may not include a file. And well, 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 they are a file storage system. They're yes, going to store files and data. Different not there to publicly disperse it. A display, you know, storing files for convenience is different than storing files as a business, right? The, the, the convenience is I can look at my record and see my files. I can click on them and I can see a PDF or I can see an image or whatever. That is a convenience. Um, it's, I mean, it's almost like a, a hygiene thing. If you don't have that in a no-code database, you're going to fail. Yeah. Uh, people will reject you. They need imagery uh, as well as video, et cetera, any kind of binary file. So doing that in the context of Airtable is a must, but doing it elsewhere is, it's not a must, nor is there a business case for it. Now there are apps that are going to require it, but I think Airtable is rightful to just say, if you have a business requirement that involves content external to Airtable, go build that. Yeah. And we'll give you limited expiring access to that. Uh, the other thing that I wanted no, to point out no. is we've been talking about two hours. I, as far as I can tell from all the documentation that I've read and what I've seen, what they say is the URL will be valid for a minimum of two hours. They don't say it will valid for only two hours. So theoretically in these tests that I've done where I've had these URLs that are, ex they've been valid for days. Well, they were valid for at least two hours, but <laughs> Airtable has not explicitly stated a maximum length that it will be at which point it will become unavailable. They've simply said that eventually it will. I think right. that's so to get around rules. the caching we talked yeah. about this earlier. They're, if it's cached and you look at it at hour four, yeah. well, then you don't want Airtable doesn't want to be called a liar because some other system yeah. cached it, even though if you did it on a brand new system, you can't access that link. Um, that's probably the there's a legal reason for liability, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Which means I just want to say is that in some of the conversations we've had, people have been talking about it being expired at the two-hour mark, which is, 
I just think that we should be a little bit more careful in how we phrase that. Sure. All right, Bill, last word, and then we got to move on. Yeah, I was just going to say they're, they're basically saying, hey, you better read our rules carefully because we're writing it like tax code now, right? <laughs> it's so complicated and complex, and we have to cover our butts, so we're going to write this in a way that um, you know, may or may not suit your expectations. Um, I, In my view, uh, I go with Camille. Shut it off. Kill it. Just go all the way. No more public URLs, period. And then seek to get uh, HIPAA compliance as well as GDPR compliance. Uh, get your servers going in Canada, get them going in, in the EU. And then, you know, every, a lot of people are going to be happy and the rest of us will just have to adapt. That, that's my opinion. Everyone has to do what I did. <laughs> I think your tables from Google Drive. Go. Not- yeah. Figure it out. Build what you need, but don't expect Airtable to front the bill for it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kavan, for coming on. We really appreciate it and your work. I think the conclusion is there's still tons of questions. So maybe in a couple of weeks, a month, we'll get you both back on and rehash this. So I'm going to keep my base going and it's going to still generate. I think I have it generating a new URL like every six hours now. And you know, part of why it might not be expiring is the fact that I keep asking for those URLs. That's right. It, but we'll see. But we'll, until those URLs expire, I'm going to say I don't think that the rollout's complete. Right. It, it's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, right? What you're discovering is a Heisenberg. And a Heisenberg <laughs> is something that if you watch it enough, you'll change its behavior. And that's exactly what you're doing with the CDN. But until such time as somebody can show me that an internal URL in a formula field referencing an attachment URL, I am not paying, uh, you know, for free sandwiches for your family. <laughs> Come on! But as soon as, as soon as somebody can produce that, I'll pay. I'll pay the the debt. Uh, and I'm just going on what the documentation says that formula oh, field URLs will be invalid. I know, and I said that was nutty. Never going to happen. I think I'm right. <laughs> so far, I'm right. But you know. This could take a while. They their table is good at screwing things up, so they they may end up making me send you sandwiches, <laughs> which I'll happily do, because the the shit show that will happen. What <laughs> uh, entertainment value? The shit show that will happen after that on the community would be well worth sending your family sandwiches. <laughs> it, it would be great entertainment. Anyway, uh, very good. God bless uh, Airtable. They're doing their best. They're doing their best. I'm sure yeah. behind the scenes, they're uh, having some interesting yeah. conversations the last week or so to see everything affected. But it hasn't been the huge blow up that we may be projected, but maybe that's still to come because they're still. That's a slow. Well, yeah. I, I think until we know definitively that those URLs, the, the DL.airtable one, so if they either they will never expire and they'll always be public, in which case, You've got the security hole sitting there, or they will expire, and that's when things are going to blow up. And, and to the former, if that happens, they completely failed. Yeah. What was the point of any of this? Exactly. You've just confused everyone. To make clickbait like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. Thanks, Kavan, for coming on. Appreciate it. Okay. We'll have you back on in a future show. <clears throat> sure. Thank you.
All right. Why don't we move on to, um, I'll just give a quick shout out to Onter, our, our primary sponsor. We are in the process of launching a new form solution. I've gone through a few times, so I'm going to skip it for this week. We'll, we'll highlight it again next week, but um, check us out. You can join our private beta for our new form solution at Onter.com and um, try out that new form product. So we've got maybe 12, 15 minutes, Bill. We'd love to learn more about you. Um, I think you've got an interesting story. Yeah, Kavan, feel free if you want to uh, stick around for that. Um, I'm gonna move, go back to this view. Um, Bill, why don't you tell us, how did you find Airtable? How did you come into this world? Yeah, Airtable. Or you um, the five minute version. Yeah, I'll try to give you the one minute. The um, It was 2018, uh, early in 2018, we had just landed a contract um, at Streamit for a transit agency, uh, Los Angeles. And in the process of doing that, we realized uh, they really needed some notifications and they needed it kind of in a way where they could track it and kind of monitor things. Um, basically, our technology runs on like public transit vehicles. And every now and then, you know, somebody falls down and, you know, we need to send notifications and the notifications have to go to a variety of, of departments within the, uh, the organization. And so I grabbed Airtable and I knew it had an API and I knew I could jam stuff into it and I knew I could put clients on it and they could see what the heck was going on. So that, that's how Airtable gets started. Is that less than one minute? Yeah, yeah. it's under one minute. Not bad. Tell us, uh, tell us, you know, you've maybe give us a little more history. I mean, you've been in the computing world a long time. You've got an interesting past. Give us the cliff notes. Yeah, on I, that. I, I think there's like nine or 10 O's in long for me uh, because it, it's out there. I mean, it's just like an entire lifetime. My earliest database activities was a database that I designed in uh, on a TRS-80 in 1978. And that TR-80 was a tape drive, um, little tiny cassettes. And it used, I think it used Benton Harbor Basic. Um, one of the first basic, uh, I think Microsoft was involved, Bill Gates might've been involved with it. And from there, I, uh, I, I was involved in you know the CPA profession. So I was an auditor and I was figuring out how to automate uh, the auditing of um, municipality uh, up, up in New England, by the way, Allie. It was in Maine, Bangor, Maine. I was literally working in a CPA firm and automating auditing processes. And those partners kept looking at my hours. And they said, how did you get all that done in, in like, you know, 17 billable hours? And I, because normally you take 170 billable hours. And I said, well, simple, I'm using computers. And they said, well, what's that? Um, it goes back that far. And so they immediately fired me. They said, oh, no, we, this is bad for billable hours. We can't, we can't have accountants doing work like this that quick. Uh, I mean, I call it a firing, but they call it outsourcing. They outsourced me to a company that was probably the best move in my career, ABC Television. That was one of their clients. He said, oh, these guys over at ABC, they'll love you. <laughs> and I got over there, and sure enough, they love me. I love their engineers, too. They could build any computer you could imagine. And so that one thing led to another. Before I knew it, I was kind of working in corporate down in uh, in Manhattan and um, sleeping in a bunk actually across from the Muppets. And that's that's how I developed such an affinity for the two old guys. 
right? I was a young kid at the time, but now that I'm an old guy, I have great affinity for uh, having bunked in uh, near the closet where they stored the Muppets. But um, long story short, that led me into other computing work. Uh, I went out on my own, built a couple of database apps on, under DBase. You guys recall DBase? I used one of the first spreadsheets, which was VisiCalc on the Apple, Apple IIc, I think it was, at color. Wow, that was fascinating. Uh, do you guys remember when TVs went from black and white to color? No, nobody in this list remembers that, right? I was born yeah. in 19... So that was a watershed moment. Uh, but from there, DBase and then Fox Pro and Access and SQL Server and one thing after another, I spent most of my career building database-like things. There was one big watershed event. In 1980, somebody came to me and said, there's no way to move data quickly between the, the desktop and uh, what was the first laptop, which was rode on the space shuttle. It's called the grid computer. And grid had this crazy disk format and IBM PCs had a totally disk format. And so they asked me and my partner, is there a way that you guys could figure out how to move data quickly? We figured that out. That worked until the space shuttle didn't have grid computers. And then when that happened, uh, we said, well, what are we going to do this this little program? It was called Firefile at the time, which, by the way, that proves that no coder should name a product. Um, it, you know, Firefile, that, that sounds like it's destroying the data. NASA was comfortable <laughs> with that, I guess. Uh, but for the rest of us, we thought, yeah, we got we to gotta market this somehow. And then laptops were born. And then Firefile became Laplink. Laplink ended up being, I don't know, a... 25-year project of some sort. Um, so all of that was going on while I was learning new uh, database systems. And largely, most of them were no-code database systems. You know, we think no-code is like, oh, it's the greatest new thing since sliced bread. No, <laughs> there was no-code databases long ago. This is just the latest incarnation of it. And not a bad one, I might add. Airtable's pretty good. Does that help? Yeah, that's my whole history in like six minutes. Yeah, and we've we've benefited. I think you know if you've been spent any time in the communities, we've benefited from your insights and knowledge, and tend to give long courses on on history of things. So hopefully, people take the time and and appreciate the effort you've put into the community. You've definitely helped. I I never set out to be an expert. Um, that was all accidental. I mean, look at my upbringing. I went to high school in New Hampshire. At, in fact, Allie, it wasn't it your is it your husband? Is when yep. he went to Winnicott as well? He did. Same Yeah. Way. So I didn't learn much there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't learn anything there. So um, even after that, I became uh, everything was okay. So if you look at a, a kid that's struggling, they'll be fine. They'll figure <laughs> it out. Give why don't we, uh, for the remaining couple minutes, why don't you give us kind of your predictions? I know you love predictions. What, what do you predict for Airtable, for kind of this no-code environment? What, what foresights do you have to share with us today? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Airtable eventually will realize that it needs to be more data science-y. Um, which is uh, not to say that it needs to do charts better. 
uh, it's to say that it needs to be able to process data quicker and bigger chunks. And so I predict eventually there will be an extension language, uh, perhaps Python. So I think there'll be a second extension language. When, who knows? But I think there will be enough pressure on Airtable to process and perform data calculations that don't um, erode their server power. Uh, so server power is a premium at Airtable, as you all know. If you just write some API stuff, you can see it in the user interface. All, all users are impacted by that. Um, I think this was an, uh, an understanding that we came to about a year and a half ago when Airtable basically said that. And so now we know that all Air, all APIs are lockstep with the container that your instance runs in, which means if you run massive API activities on your data, you're likely to impact all other users on that instance. And that's that's not good. I get it. I mean, that's an architectural choice. It's a fine architect, architectural choice for Airtable to do. But at the end of the day, somebody's going to come along and say, I got to do a lot of crunching on this data and I need a better way to do it. And I think Python is probably the way to do it. So that's one big prediction. Another is that um, uh, the no-code uh, contingent within Airtable, um, or let's put it this way, the code activities in Airtable, they're going to triple. I don't see this stopping. So the irony is that the, this beautiful no-code platform is going to have massive uh, expansion in coding activity within it in, in order to satisfy customer and clients. So I don't think they can get around it. I think there will become more code generators though for Airtable. I think that's on the horizon as the coding uh, environment becomes more complex. So is, is a code generator part of the no code solution or part of the code solution? I'm not sure, right? It depends on, is it a, a glass half full or half empty? Yeah, interesting. Cool. Any any questions for Bill? We've got maybe a couple minutes. I'd love to wrap up. What uh, what else do you have to share with us, Bill? Uh, I don't have anything to share because my mouse just died. Um, <laughs> I was fun. No, I, I you know I, I I love the the uh, the conversations on on the community. Um, I think you know if somebody were to say to me, well, "What's the one thing I should learn in scripting in Airtable?" I I'd probably lean on know how to hash index, know how to create hash ind indices. Um, you know, the second thing that that really concerns me about Airtable um, is uh, there's no full text search within it. Uh, there's still, I mean, to this day, in 2018, I wanted to build a search environment. And that search environment was, um, you know, based on a full, you know, full text search capability those are hard to build in database environments because there's so many fields and so many values. So now you have context amongst each row, each value within the row. Uh, but to this day, Airtable still has not, has not figured that out. And I predict they won't figure it out. Uh, if they haven't done something about it by now, they do not have the architecture to support a full text search. And I, I believe that it needs to happen across workspaces and across bases. Uh, there are some enterprise requirements that would say, yeah, we got to do multiple workspaces and all tables within all bases within that workspace. That's really a big challenge. But I think 
eventually Airtable is going to have to figure that out. Probably will be a third party company that figures it out. Awesome. Who, who here is satisfied with search? Raise your hand. <laughs> I do not see any hand. Oh, it's a wave, kind of a waffling hand. <laughs> well, I mean, I can search for what I want to search for. I'm sure there's other people that can't search for what they need to, but my search requirements are actually fairly small. They're handling it in, in, in a half step, I'll say in interfaces, you, you have greater control over what is used as the name field when you're displaying linked records and things like that. And so when you're searching, it searches that field. So now it doesn't have to be the first field in your table and the record list thing on the sidebar, you can show up to three fields. You can mm -hmm. search any of those three fields that you're showing. Yeah. Kinda, but it's, Kinda, yeah. you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. not, if you have a fourth field you wanna search through, you gotta use a formula and concatenate. Yeah, and so I think if we ask the community at large, you know, what's the level of satisfaction? I think it would be pretty poor. Yeah. Well, the uh, other thing is, the quality of the search you need, the better structured your database is, the less of a need you have for a search for, for a, across all the, well, you know, like, like people are like, okay, I, I know the status in this record somewhere, but they've got, you know, stuff buried inside this text field that they're trying to search what for. What if you're searching for pools of records? Well, and, and Bill, you mentioned earlier, uh, searching across a workspace part of the reason people have to split data apart into multiple bases in a workspace is the record limit. And so right. you, you, you have to start archiving your old records, but if you want to find that old record, now you've got to search the other base and not the one that you're currently looking at. And so some of these, it's all nested together, all these interrelated issues. If you could store everything in one base, if you had the capacity to do so, you, you might be able to search with the current capability for what you're looking for but you know, that's not what we have today. Yeah, when you know, when most people think of search, they don't think of some, finding a specific record. They think of a broader, higher level search. And so, uh, you know, Kavan, what I'm saying is that a lot of enterprises are having a tough time putting their fingers on the data they need to do their job. Um, you don't have to look far for articles that say, Enterprise workers spend roughly 2.9 hours a day groping for information. Uh, in Airtable, this is a problem. And until such time as they cure it, they're part of that problem. And so I think enter Enterprise, and we know that Airtable cares about enterprises. So um, yeah, this search has, it has to be fixed in some way. I predict it won't be Airtable that solves it. So when you say search, it sounds like what you're talking about is querying. I find ability. Let's make a bigger word. Okay. Right. Is the information findable? Right. And so if you take that at a very abstract high level, yeah, there, I mean, it's, it involves a query. You know, how is the query conducted? I've always believed that information should find us, not the other way around. So, you know, Airtable should in some regard make it easier for information to be aligned with that which we think we need at the moment we need it. But I think the only way to do that is yet another thing where Airtable kind of hasn't really considered much and that's real-time computing, real-time architectures, in other words, sockets, layer, 
Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have seen recently the Hotwire announcement, um, or it's a Hotwire project that's designed to make uh, web rendering instantaneous. And I think we have to go in that direction, which means Airtable will have to support sockets at some point. Con consumers are tired of seeing HTML rendered because it takes more than 400 milliseconds to do anything in rendered HTML on a server. And we have to get everything about Airtable should be below the, the Doherty threshold. If you're not familiar with Doherty threshold, just look it up. It's the 400 millisecond mark that says any human that has to wait more than 400 milliseconds is going to be pissed off, right? And that's that increases as we get faster and faster systems. And you don't think a human can really understand the difference between 400 milliseconds and 401. You can. Your brain knows, right? You start to get conditioned for this high-performance environment. And the only way to get out of that mess is to stop rendering just – you know, open the open the developer console and look at what Airtable is pushing out to your browser. It, I, Dan, Dan's smiling because he's done a lot of that looking, <laughs> and it's like, holy crap, that's a crap ton of crap. And every second, it's more crap and more crap and more crap. And the only way around that is to go to something like Hotwire, which completely changes the architecture of how web apps should be should be rendered. I think React is dead. I think it's dead in the water. I think it's going away. I think it's over. That it's fifteen minutes of fame or up, and what's that's coming in after that? Know, is <laughs> what's what's that? Camille? I said that's the only one I know, Bill. I don't want to start over. <laughs> yeah, but Camille, you learned React in a hot minute. <laughs> well, yes, but I still don't want to start over. <laughs> you need to forget it in two hot minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and and ironically, Hotwire might be the way to forget it. But Airtable will have to address this because. React is a bad bet. It's it's not where they should be betting on their architecture. But anyway, I, I don't want to take too much time. Yeah. I, I over my limit here, Dan. Yeah, we're up on the hour. We always appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll definitely need to get you all back on and uh, continue this conversation. So thank you, Bill, for coming on. And Kevon, also, thank you. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, that concludes this week's uh, episode. Thank you again to Bill French and Kavan for coming on and with joining with us. And we will see you all next week. Take care. for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor on and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.